0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Isn't it amazing, though, when you just stop and think about this, that an event that happened over 2,000 years ago, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, it continues to profoundly impact and deeply resonate within the world today, just as it did the day it happened. Think about it. There's no other event in the history of mankind that has the level of impact, of importance, significance than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Folks, it was a world-changing event. It was a game-changing. Unlike any other event that has ever happened or will happen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest miracles of God, one of the greatest blessings to mankind. And as long as mankind continues to exist, it will never be diminished. It will never lose its place among one of the greatest acts of God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, it tells us so much about who God is. His love for you and me, his plans, his purposes for our lives, just as every other facet of Jesus Christ's life did. Do you realize the most important thing you believe in life is what you believe about God? That's true, the most important thing you believe in life is what you believe about God. A.W. Tozier, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he said it like this He said, What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He's right. Not only that, one of the greatest and most important concepts of how we view God is how we view, how we look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How we think about God, how we think about Jesus, how we think about his death upon the cross, how we think of his resurrection, it affects every area and facet of our life. All of those concepts, I mean, it will affect how you deal with your past. It will affect how you deal with the future. All of those beliefs will affect how you live today. What you believe about God, about Jesus, his life, his ministry, it affects every area and facet of your life. Unfortunately, as most of us have discovered just through the journey of life, there are things that can distort our view and our image of God, giving us an inaccurate picture of who God is. Oftentimes, our background can distort our view of God. The media can distort our view of God. Painful experiences can alter our view of God. What other people tell us, our own insecurities, oftentimes those things can distort how we see God. And the problem is, is when you don't understand what God is really like, you kind of fall into one of two mistakes. The first mistake is we just deny him. And we say, I don't believe in God. I've heard people who have said to me, I don't believe in God, and then they go on to describe their their image or their understanding of God, and I'll say to them, I don't believe in that God either. They say, I don't believe in a God who does this or that, and I say, I don't either. In fact, that's not what the Bible says. I would never try to defend a God who isn't really God, and sometimes, again, when we don't understand who God is, oftentimes our reaction to that is we just deny him. The second mistake we make is when we don't know what God is really like, we kinda just create our own little God. A lot of people have said to me, Oh, I kind of just like to think of God as kind of an old grandfather, kind of just sitting on a throne. Or I like to think of God as a force or a higher power or the cosmos, you know, or some other description. They have their own description of God. Whatever you think about God, whatever your personal opinion about God is, it really ultimately doesn't matter. What matters is the truth. And the truth about God is found only in the word of God. If you don't have a true understanding of what God is really like or who God really is, then you know what? You'll just kind of begin to build your life on this very faulty, shaky foundation that's going to collapse the first time you have a major conflict. So this morning as we celebrate Easter, House, I want to mention it's Pastor Mark's birthday today. You should have dyed your head like an Easter egg color or something. That would have been cool. Callie Welch could have helped you with that. So this morning as we celebrate Easter again, we celebrate one of the greatest works of God. And so I want us to look at what does God say? What does God reveal about himself according to his own word, the Bible? Because, folks, I have no doubt if people really understood what God is like, who God is, based upon his word, based upon the truth. They would not only love him more, trust him more deeply, but they would also want to follow his plan for their lives. Easter, again, is one of the greatest victories ever achieved in the history of mankind. I loved what Leslie got up here and said this morning. I thought, man, that's the sermon. Let's just finish worship and go home. It's the greatest victory ever achieved in the history of mankind because it is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. Do you understand? We have overcome the penalty of sin and the power of death. Those two concepts The penalty of sin and the power of death. Easter is a proclamation. It's God's declaration to you and I. We have overcome. We have the victory. And the incredible truth of Easter is that God has proven how deeply he cares for you. Repeatedly. Over and over in countless ways. And today we're going to just look at a few of those ways by what God has revealed about himself, how that speaks of how deeply he cares for you. So let's just look at three of those ways. First, God cares enough. He loves you enough to want to reveal himself. Do you realize there's only one way you and I could know anything about God? And that is if he chooses to reveal himself in ways we can understand. If God didn't choose to let us know what he's like, none of us would have the foggiest idea. No matter how creative or imaginative you are, you could never, ever conjure up an image or a person like God. It takes God to reveal himself to us in order for us to even begin to understand what he's like and who he is. For, uh, uh, again, if, uh, if God didn't choose to let us know what he's like, Again, we, we, we just wouldn't have the foggiest idea. We would just begin to kind of create things out of thin air that wouldn't even be accurate. For a human being to try to understand God is like a dog trying to understand what it's like to be a human. Our brain capacity, it just isn't enough to understand God. It would be like an ant trying to understand you. And so the only way we know anything about God is because God of his own free will Because of his love for you, he chose to reveal himself to you and me so we could comprehend and know God. And thankfully, God has done just that through his word and through his son, Jesus Christ. We can be so thankful. God wants you to know who he is and what he's like. And because he wants to have a relationship with you, he kind of has dropped or he's deposited clues. And he's been very, very clear about what he is like and how does God let us know what he is like. One way is through creation. Today's a beautiful day. Imagine all of us will spend some time outside today. And one of the ways that God reveals himself to us again is through creation. Romans 1.20 says this, from the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and all that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. I love how the message translation says this same verse there. It says, but the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see, eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of his divine being. Did you know that that was all in creation? The potential to see all of that God has placed in creation, and it's there for us just to go out and to observe. When we look at the world around us, we can learn about God just by looking at the things he's created. That is amazing to me. When God created the world, he made it in such a way that you and I, we can go out, and we can actually see his invisible attributes. Attributes his eternal power and his divine nature. For instance, we know through creation that God is organized because he has a certain alignment of the planets and the axis of the earth tilts just at the right degree so we don't freeze to death or burn up. And we're just the right distance from the sun for life to be possible. I mean, you look at the human body And see the intricate detail and the organization of the human body. You see how the environment is perfectly balanced. And when things get out of balance in the ecosystem, things go crazy. Creation clearly reveals one of God's invisible qualities. And that is he is organized. We know by looking at creation that God is powerful. Look at the power of God through nature, in the sun, the wind, in the ocean waves, the power in just a single atom. We look at lightning and tornadoes and earthquakes, and we see the power that God has. We know that God is creative, that God loves variety and likes different things. God created all of these different species, different smells, different tastes. God is a very creative God. God is faithful. We see God's faithfulness in creation. The sun rises every morning. In the east, the sun sets every night. In the west, it happens every day. God is faithful. We know by looking at creation, God loves, he values beauty. We can see the evidence, again, in the sunrise, the sunset, in rainbows, in snow, in the fall turning of leaves, just to name a few ways. Why did he create all of these colors? God could have said, just have, let's just have black and white. But he created all of these colors, and then he created our eyes in such a way to be able to enjoy them. God loves beauty. We learn a lot about God in nature. We know that God has a sense of humor. Have you ever seen an orangutan or an ostrich? Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, boy, just looking at you, I know God has a sense of humor. Amen? But the most important things that you need to know about God, you know, you can't learn just from nature. And if that's all we knew about God, just by looking at the world, we would have a very, very limited view of God. So God came up with a second way to reveal himself so we would know what he is like. 2,000 years ago, God came to earth in human form so humans could understand him. See, if God wanted to communicate with ants, he would have become an ant. But because God wanted to communicate and reveal himself to human people, God became a human. Luke 2.32 says, Jesus is the light who revealed God to the nations. Isn't that amazing? Jesus revealed God to the nations God came to earth in human form and his name is called Jesus and he came among other things to reveal what God is really like. When we look at Jesus, we can say that's what God is really like. I love what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Folks, those are nine of the most weighty words Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That blows my mind. Jesus Christ came to earth to more fully reveal what God is like, to reveal Him in ways creation was not able to. Because God cared enough. He loved us enough to reveal himself through Jesus because he wanted you to know what he is like. And not only do we know there is a God, but we also know what he's like. Jesus often told stories to teach truths or to give revelation about who God is. One time Jesus did something very, very unusual. He told three stories in a row With the exact same point. Now, If you're not familiar with Luke 15, I would encourage you maybe to get your Bible and open and read that sometime this week. Because in Luke 15, in rapid fire, Jesus tells the same story in three different ways. The first story he told is the story of a lost sheep. He says, "There was a shepherd who had a hundred sheep." And he said, one day one of them gets lost, so the shepherd leaves the 99, and he goes out on this search and rescue mission for the one lost sheep. He doesn't just forget about the one and think, "Oh, I've got 99. What's one?" He goes out, and he searches high and low, up and down, and finally, he finds the lost sheep. He brings him back safely home, and throws a party. Then Jesus tells a second story about a woman who had 10 coins, and she loses one of them. Now, it may have been her life savings, so she searches high and low for this one lost coin. In essence, she turns her house upside down. She sweeps, she dusts, she diligently looks in every room, and finally she finds the lost coin. And she is so excited about that that she calls her neighbors, brings them all over, and they have a party. Then there's the third story Jesus tells About a lost son or a prodigal son. And Jesus said a man had two sons. And one of those sons comes to his father one day and says, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance. I'm splitting. I'm out of here. And the father gives his son half of the inheritance. And the kid takes off for a foreign country and he blows it. He squanders all of his inheritance on wine, women, and song. He's kind of messed up and eventually he hits bottom. And finally in the low life that he's living as he's feeding pigs, the Bible says he kind of just comes to himself and he says, what am I thinking? What am I doing here? Even the servants in my father's home have it better than this. And so he comes to his senses, repents of his rebellion, and he goes back home to his father. And as he's coming home, Jesus says the father sees him a long ways off and he runs out to meet him, hugs him with open arms, kisses him on the cheeks. Then the father says, here, take my best robe. He puts a ring on his finger and he says, we are going to fill, we're going we're gonna to kill a fatted calf and we are going to have one big party. Now what was Jesus trying to communicate in these three stories? What's the common denominator? The common denominator is that in each story something valuable was lost. The lost sheep really mattered to the shepherd. That lost coin really mattered to that woman. And obviously the lost son really mattered to the father. And the point is you matter to God. You are valuable to him. He cares far more about you than you will ever understand or realize. And in each of these three stories, in each case, there was no rest. There was no giving up until that which was lost was found. And Jesus tells these stories to reveal how much you matter how valuable you are to God and how much he cares about you and the lengths that God will go to to keep seeking those who are lost until they are found. God is searching for some of you this morning. So first, God cares enough to reveal himself. And secondly, God cares enough to rescue you, to rescue me. God has a plan and that plan included sending his own son Jesus to be our savior and to rescue us from the penalty of sin and the power of death. Maybe you're kind of new to this concept and maybe you never realize how much you need a savior, but you do. I'm here to tell you, if you didn't need a savior, if you didn't need rescuing, Jesus wouldn't have come to earth and died on a cross. He wouldn't have wasted the effort if you didn't need somebody to rescue you. Remember when the angels at Christmas came and they announced Jesus' birth and they said, rejoice, a savior has been born to you in Bethlehem. Do you realize the only people who need a savior are those who need to be saved? You needed, I needed, we needed somebody to rescue us. And you say, from what? The good news is, folks, Jesus came to rescue you from three things. First, Jesus wants to rescue you from the guilt of your past. I've never met anybody who doesn't carry some level of guilt and shame. Everybody makes mistakes. We're all imperfect. Every one of us, we blow it. And the bottom line is, you've broken God's laws. And just as when you break man's laws, you gotta pay man's penalties, the same is true when we break God's laws, we've gotta pay God's penalty. God is a just and a loving God, but He has to satisfy the justice because He can't just let us get away with murder. So every one of us has blown it, and we deserve to be punished for the wrong, for the sins that we have committed. But here's the good news. Hebrews 9.15 says, Jesus died to rescue us from the penalty of our sins. That is the glorious news of the gospel. Somebody has to pay the penalty for the things we've done wrong in life. Either you or somebody else has to pay and the good news is God said, I will pay that debt myself. They're your sins, but I will pay for them myself. God said, my justice demands somebody pay for the wrong things that have been committed, but my love for you Demands that I pay the penalty myself. That would be like me going to jail for a crime you committed. Jesus took our place on the cross. Jesus took our death. He became our rescuer. Every sin you ever committed or ever will commit has been fully paid for By Jesus Christ on the cross. That is the good news. And all we can do is say thank you God. And accept it. So he wants to rescue you from the guilt of your past. Secondly Jesus came to rescue us from a meaningless life. In John 10.10 Jesus said. I came to give life and life in all its fullness. You know why Jesus said that? Because most people never really live. They just exist. They go from job to job, from work to home, and back and forth, and back and forth. They're not living. They just exist because they don't know how to live the life God created them to live. Most people don't have a clue as to what their purpose in life is. They don't know why God put them here. They don't know what the meaning of life is, where they came from, or where they're going. But Jesus said, I came to rescue you, to deliver you from a meaningless and a purposeless life. God made you for a purpose. God has plans for your life. And when you get in relationship, when you just make that connection with God by trusting and just resting in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, you will begin to understand. You will begin to discover what God's plan is. I'm telling you what, it will become clearer and clearer. Thirdly, Jesus Christ wants to rescue you from the fear of death. The Bible says in Hebrews 2:15, Jesus set free those who were slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. There is a general universal fear that everyone has and that is the fear of death. You want to prove it? Next time you go out for coffee with someone, look at him and say, "Hey, let's talk about death." They'll drink that coffee so fast you'll wonder what, what, you know, why they didn't get burned. They're going to get out of there. No one wants to talk about that. We're uncomfortable. It's not a subject most of us want to think about, much less talk about. For a Christian, do you realize death is just a transfer from this life to the next life? The question is, can you say that you're not afraid to die because you know for certain, you know where you're going when you do die? Again, this is what Easter is all about. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he broke the power of death. And that is why we celebrate. Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die. Your fleshly body will die. But it's not the end of you because your spirit was made to live forever somewhere. God put his spirit inside of you. When you become born again, God's spirit enters inside of you. And that makes you different. It sets you apart from every other aspect of God's creation. It's what makes you different from animals. God made you to live forever somewhere and every one of us, we're gonna spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And the Bible says heaven and hell, they are real places. Jesus Christ, the son of God, he believed in a heaven and a hell. He taught about both of those places and Jesus Christ came to earth to die for your sins so you don't have to go to hell. So you can go to heaven and Jesus has done all that he can do to get you into heaven, even to the point of laying down his life for you and dying on a cross. Do you understand that? There's nothing more God can do to rescue you, to save you, because God's done everything that's necessary. The only thing left is for you to accept his free gift. Thank you, Jesus I accept, I receive your gift of salvation. That's your move, not his. He came to rescue you, and you have no idea how much God cares about you. We can't even comprehend it. I struggled to even describe at times how much God cares for you because, again, my words just fall so adequately and woefully short of communicating how much God loves you and cares for you, and he cares enough to rescue you from the guilt of the past, meaninglessness in this present life, and fear, and the fear of death. But there's one thing that's even more amazing. Thirdly, God cares enough to relate to you and me. The Bible says you and I, one of the reasons you were created was to have a relationship with God. You're not on this earth To live, make money, die, retire. You were put on this earth because God made you to love you and God wants to have a relationship with you. You were created as an object of God's love. Let those words sink in. You were created as an object of God's love. That's the most amazing, mind-blowing concept. God Almighty wants to have a deep and a meaningful relationship with you and me. It's almost inconceivable when you think about it, but you were created, and you are here this morning because God wants to have a relationship with you. But something happened. Every one of us has rejected that relationship in our own way. Every one of us in this room, we've had times and moments where we've said, God, I'm going to go my own way, I'm going to do my own thing, live my own life, I have my own dreams, my own plans, my own ambitions, and we kind of just thumb our nose at God and say, forget you, God. And then the relationship has been broken like a bridge that's collapsed. And sometimes that's why when we pray, God feels a million miles away. He is because the relational bridge has been broken. But thanks be to God. He doesn't just leave it there. God takes the initiative God takes the first step to initiate and to restore the relationship to you and he sent his son Jesus Christ to rebuild that relational bridge. Jesus is literally a bridge over troubled waters. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.19 God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's Faults, mistakes, sins against them. That may be some of the best news for some of you in the room this morning. God is not holding your sins, your faults, your mistakes against you. The Bible is very, very clear that we just come to God humbly and we just turn to him with all of our faults, all of our mistakes, all of our sins, all of our imperfections. He doesn't condemn us. He cares about us. He forgives us. He restores us. He comforts us. And then His Holy Spirit comes inside of us to begin to help us to make those changes, to begin to live a more victorious life. So you may be the biggest atheist or agnostic in the world. God still wants to have a relationship with you. You may think you have committed the unpardonable sin. Can I let you know a little secret? All of us feel like we have committed the unpardonable sin. You're not alone, you're not thinking a unique thought there. But God still wants to have a relationship with you. You may have done something you are so ashamed of, and you're just filled with regret. But God still wants to have a relationship with you. You may have committed adultery, had an abortion, stolen to support a drug habit. God still wants to have a relationship with you. You may feel unworthy. I feel unworthy. But because He is worthy. My unworthiness doesn't matter. You may be here this morning and you may feel hopeless. You may feel too old, too young. God wants to have a relationship with you because it's ultimately not about what you've done. It's about who God is and what he has done on our behalf through Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 11 says, Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends with God. Look at those three last words. Friends of God. God makes us his friends because of what Jesus did for us upon the cross. Can you imagine that? Me, You, a friend of God. I mean, try dropping that name next time. Yeah, God is my friend. Sometimes we get our value from our association with other people. God is our friend. So here's the question as I get ready to close. If this is how much God cares about you, if this is how much God loves you, if this is how much God has done for you and for me to save us, to rescue us, to have a relationship with us, don't you think you at least owe it to yourself to give God a chance? Sadly, the Bible says many people miss this. First Timothy 6 one says, some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. Tragic. They don't know God. Not through any fault of God's. Not through anything that God has left undone, untouched, or unfinished. The Bible says many times we just suppress that truth in unrighteousness. You can make a million bucks. Folks, you can get your picture on the, on the cover of Rolling Stone. You can be famous. You can have pleasures and take vacations every week. But you know what? If you don't know God, you have missed the most important purpose for your life. And the beautiful thing is you can get to know God right now, right here. You can have and develop a personal relationship with God right here, right now. Not through religion. Not through ritual, not through rules, not through regulations, but a relationship. A living, dynamic relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that may be why God brought some of you here today. This is my prayer for you. Right now at Easter, and it comes from Paul, the apostle, Ephesians chapter 3, Verses 18 and 19, and Paul says this, and may you have the power to understand. People, brothers, sisters, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I don't want you just to know it. I want you to understand it. I want you to be able to experience it in all of its fullness. Everything that God has done for us in revealing himself, in rescuing us, in relating to us, was done so that you would come, that I would come, and that we would get to know him and be in relationship with him. He brought you here so you could come to him through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me ask you this. What have you got to lose? Guilt, worry, fear, boredom, bitterness, hell, and a whole lot of other things. What have you got to gain? Oh, everything and more. Your past forgiven, a home in heaven, a life filled with purpose. That is a deal. This morning, I'm just going to invite the worship team to come back up on the platform this morning. I believe God is here this morning. And I believe if if Jesus were to have told a fourth story in Luke 15, it would be a story that would involve you and me. Because again, the point of that story was, was that you matter, you are so valuable to him. And I'm here to tell you, whether you're lost or found this morning, God has something for you. If you're here and you're lost this morning, God has salvation for you. If you're lost here this morning, God has forgiveness for you. This is partially what communion is all about. When we take that cracker and we dip that in the juice, that juice, it is the blood of Christ that was shed upon the cross, and Jesus himself said, this is the blood that will uh, forgive you of all of your sins. If you're lost here this morning, God wants to bestow his love upon you this morning. If you're here this morning and you're found, even if you're lost, if you're found here this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you've got depression, maybe there's sickness, maybe you're financially struggling, I'm telling you, God has an answer, God has a plan, and God has a purpose for everything you're going through. And God wants to give you the victory over all of that this morning. So I'm just going to ask, if you're here this morning... And maybe you're struggling, and maybe you kind of just feel like, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't feel the love of God. I, I don't feel like God really cares about me. I want you to come forward this morning. And there are going to be people up here that would love to pray with you. And we're just, what we're going to ask is, we're going to ask that God's power would just come down in this place this morning and just touch you in such a way In such a way that you can no longer deny the reality, the presence, and the power of God. That God is going to touch you in such a way that you will not be able to deny his love, his concern for you this morning. So that's you this morning, if you're here this morning and you just want a touch from God, whether you're lost or found this morning, If you're just here this morning and and, and there's just an emptiness. Maybe there's a hunger inside of you for something and you don't know what that is. God wants to fill that emptiness. God wants to, 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 to fill. Maybe you're lonely. God wants to have a relationship with you. That loneliness that you're feeling, that's that place that was designed and created for God. And God wants to fill that this morning. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with sickness, depression. God wants to free you. He wants to heal you from that this morning. I'm here to tell you, if God can raise Jesus Christ from the dead, your cancer, your depression is no match. For Almighty God. And so if you're here this morning, as we, just, as we just close together in worship, whether you're lost or found, and you just say, God, I just want a touch from you this morning. God, I just want to know, God, would you just, maybe for the first time, tell me how much I matter, how much you love me. Or maybe you're, you're, you just need to be reminded again of that this morning. Maybe you've kind of wandered away. God's brought you here this morning to get your focus back on Him. And this morning you're just here to say, God, I've walked away, but I'm back. And God, would you just touch me? Heal, heal my brokenness this morning. That's what God wants to do. Father, we just thank you so much for your power and your presence in this place. Father, we, we feel you here this morning. We know you're here. And God, we know through your word that you love us, that you care for us, that, God, you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. So, God, this morning, I especially pray for those that just need a touch from you, that, God, maybe they just feel dead and disconnected inside. And, God, this morning, you just want to speak life. And, God, you want to connect them again to your love, to your power, to your purpose this morning. So God, would you just come? God, again, just draw us. Draw us by your love, your grace, your mercy, your goodness toward us. God, would you just draw us with that this morning? And God, as we come, would you just again touch us? Renew us, restore us, heal us, and just set us free. Father, we thank you. For all that you've done through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.